us fix what has been broken. Come to me. Come to me. Follow us, son of Dathomir. Follow me, lost one. Come, child of Dathomir. Follow. You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we celebrate the history of the Emmy award-winning animated series, Star Wars The Clone Wars, by discussing each and every episode, episode arc, novel, comic book, and story reel. There's a lot more to it than there was at the beginning, and that's what's awesome about The Clone Wars. Even when it's canceled... They continue to put out content, and we'll be discussing some of that tonight in the form of the comic book series, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir. I nearly called it Dark Disciple. That's the wrong thing. Dark Disciple's the book we talked about last week, and we'll be talking about again on the next episode. But we're taking a break from it to discuss Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, the comic book series released by Dark Horse Comics back in uh, mid-2014. So really right around the time... Uh, that Clone Wars ended. We got our, we got this comic book. Uh, ended for the second time, I should say. Ended when the um, when the the uh, the Lost Missions were released on Netflix, and then we got the announcement of this comic book series, which was originally, if, if for people that remember the announcement of the series, it was announced as the the series finale. It was <laughs> they said the series finale to the Clone Wars will be told in comic book form, and that I know sent a lot of people at Lucasfilm into a, a frenzy. It sent fans into a frenzy. Like, is this the end of the? Is this how the Clone Wars would have ended with Darth Maul? Where's Ahsoka? Ahsoka better be in this. And then they said, Oh no, wait, it's just another Darth story in Darth Maul's story. And really, it probably wouldn't have even been the end of Darth Maul's story. Or well. We know from having seen that awesome Rebels trailer that it isn't the end of Darth Maul's story. So this is the perfect time to be talking about this book. Introductions are in order if you are new to the show. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, the award-winning Kieran Duggan. Hello, Dominic. How are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited to talk about this comic book series. I, I think it's going to be... I, it, I thought it was pretty good. I'm, I'm looking forward to talking about Darth Maul, and like I said... Maul's coming back in Rebels this season, so I think this is this is very very good timing on our part. It's completely planned out, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we we structured this in as soon as we saw the Rebels trailer. Yeah, it, that, I agree. I think this is a, a great story, and I actually remember 
the the video that was released oh, for yeah. the legacy content was it was at least promoting the legacy content even though this comic book had already come out apparently yeah. <laughs> this comic book was also being promoted as part of the future star wars so perhaps it hadn't sold as well as people thought it would but nevertheless it it it's a great story. Yeah. And I I think this story in particular works extremely well in comic book form. And, and we're now going through the, the second time or the second consecutive episode of looking at a Clone Wars story, which isn't actually visually animated. Yeah. <laughs> we're actually doing a lot of reading all of a sudden here. Yeah, I thought this was here, a... perhaps more observing pictures, but I thought this still... was a, I thought this was a TV podcast. There was not supposed to be any reading involved. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literature. That That's not what we signed up for. Yeah. I mean, we'll have to set up a new podcast then, won't we, if we do that? Yeah. The, the, the Clone Wars literature podcast doesn't yeah. quite have the same ring to it, does it? No, no, it doesn't. <laughs> But it is it is funny, right? When we started this show, we didn't even have the lost missions. And you know, so the idea of the stories being continued in comic book form or novel form, or we didn't even know about story real form at the time, was like such a it, it was like a pipe dream at the time. So it, it, I do feel kind of lucky that we are actually talking about these uh, these uh I keep wanting to call them episodes, but these stories uh told in comic book form because I think that's it's it's a great form to continue the Clone Wars. Any, I mean, really, any of the ways they've continued it have been, have been great. And and um, I just want to quickly go back to that Rebels trailer for a second because that Rebels trailer is so Clone Wars heavy, right? You've got Darth Maul, you've got Ahsoka showing down with Darth Vader, and you see uh, Anakin Skywalker in hologram form. You hear Matt Lanter returning to the show uh, on on our on the Star Wars Underworld's breakdown of that trailer on our live from Lothal podcast, which you get if you subscribe to this uh, iTunes feed. Uh, uh, my co my host over there, Chris, he made the comment that this, that was basically clone Wars season seven, right? Like that we may not ever see some of the stories that were planned for clone Wars season seven. Cause it seems like they've either been moved along in the timeline or, you know, they, it, it, it this feels like the, these are the next step in the story of Ahsoka of, of Rex and in a weird sort of way, Anakin, you know, in the, in the form of Darth Vader. So I, I think if you're a clone Wars fan and you're not watching rebels right now, uh, I think you're going to be missing out this, this, this next season where things are really going to, it's going to feel like, it's going to feel like clone Wars, I think at, at least at times. And it, it's, it's almost going to feel like the clone Wars has struck back yeah Nick, isn't it? <laughs> exactly <laughs> trying to plug our show's I think, name in there I th as well <laughs> <laughs> well you know how in the clone wars they would have like subtitles for the seasons you know he, uh uh secrets revealed battle lines that sort of thing i think uh rise of the bounty hunters for season two i think uh season two of rebels that that should be the tagline it should be rebels season two the clone wars strikes back I think that's what that's what they should have gone with. I think the Disney XD marketing department has really uh, dropped the ball by not stealing our name for that. Uh, but anyway, uh, anyways, we'll, we'll if you want to if you want to talk Rebels, make sure to check out live from Lothal. Like I said, it's on Star Wars Underworld uh, iTunes feed and StarWarsUnderworld dot com. Uh, we break down each and every episode kind of the same way we do with Clone Wars here, and let's get into. Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, the comic book series based on episodes written by Matt Michnovitz. Yeah, it was Matt Michnovitz, uh, adapted by Jeremy Barlow with art by Juan Frigeri. 
Juan for Gary, I think. I think that's how you, I think that's, uh, apologies to Juan if I've mispronounced your name. Uh, but let's start the same way we always do. Uh, what what were your uh, initial impressions of Son of Dothamir and and uh, have they changed since you first read it all the way back in April 2014, <laughs> whenever this started coming out? I am going to have to admit something, Dominic. Uh-oh. I actually only read Uh-oh. three of them before <laughs> I did the show today. But I have, I mean, I have since obviously read all of them. But what I mean to say is, usually when you ask me what my initial impressions were, it's because I'd, I'd read it or watched it multiple times. But actually, before doing this show this was the first time i'd, I'd read the final wow. copy so these, these so, this really are these really are your initial impressions yeah these really are my initial impressions on some counts and obviously some of the other ones as you said this this comic book had come out in 2014 so it's been a while since i've read these and i thought it was great i i was so impressed with the quality of the story mm-hmm. because so often in comic books you're so used to the the visual quality or um the the snappy dialogue i i don't often associate in my mind at least um comic books with a fantastic plot or necessarily fantastic dialogue because of the format of it uh but this story was great i was hooked i really was and i found myself writing out a, a lot of notes in in some cases more than I would do for other Clone Wars arcs because there was a lot of uh, exposition. There was a uh, there was a great plot to this uh, Son of Dathomir story, and I think that the dialogue was great, and the characters in this particular comic book really felt like they would just come out of the Clone Wars TV show. I really could picture Matt, uh, sorry, uh, James Arnold Taylor voicing Obi Wan, Sam Witwer voicing Darth Maul, Corey Burton voicing Count Dooku. This, mm-hmm. it, I could picture it in my mind, um, and uh, and it was great. And I think it really goes to show that a lot of the hard work and effort went into the construction of this comic book, and it really did pay off. And so I initially, having, having only just read it recently, <laughs> um, I thought it was fantastic. And, and uh, one of the all-time great story arcs and i think of the the clone wars that is and had this been broadcast on cartoon network or netflix or disney xd it would have been a great action set piece there was so much action that was going on so there were a number of lightsaber duels which i would have loved to have seen uh oh yeah grievous versus maul come on that would have been so good that would have been incredible amazing but yeah, but, um, I'll throw it to you, Dominic. What were your initial impressions since yeah. you last? Sorry, I, I, I'm guessing you didn't just read it before the show. No, I've, <laughs> Unlike I, some people, <laughs> I, I've read I've read uh, uh, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir several times, and it really does get better every time you read it. Because the first time I read it, I I read it as the issues were coming out, so they were coming out on a monthly schedule, and we were discussing them on the weekly Star Wars Underworld podcast at the time. And I remember at the time as they were coming out, I they, it kind of felt like I felt like I was in a, a weird position where I didn't want to be overly critical of it because I was so happy to be getting this story at all. But I was also it wasn't 
really what I was hoping for. It, I, I didn't really enjoy it as much as I wanted to. And I think reading it again, as then I picked up the trade paperback version of it, um, you know, the graphic novel with all four issues at once, and reading that all together was a much more satisfying experience. And then rereading it again uh, this weekend to prepare for this uh, was even more so. I, I really enjoyed it for the first time the way that I had wanted to back when issue one first came out. And I think it was it was due to a couple of things. Uh, one, it's like we would talk about a lot with the episode arcs. You know, sometimes you really would have rather seen them released as the 88-minute movie, right? Instead of 22 minutes a week, you would have rather seen just one, you know, all four episodes all at once, the way we saw them on Netflix, quite frankly, or the way we see the story reels now, or the way you would see them at screenings that you went to, whether it was, uh, you know, for the Savage Press episodes or at Celebration or, or whatever. So I, that's, I, I think that was part of it. And the other thing is, it, it's a comic, it's one issue of a comic book. It's about 30, 40 pages adapting 22, a 22 minute episode. And it really was stacked against it because these episodes in particular are very dense. I mean, just reading the issues, you can really tell there's not a lot of downtime in them. They're, they're action packed. They're really big stories that are being told. And I almost feel like it would have been more true to the episodes themselves to have done like three issues per episode and done like a 12 issue series over a whole year. Now, there are a lot of reasons why that wouldn't have happened. Um, not the least of which was Dark Horse was on the verge of losing their Star Wars license. I think I think even at that time, we knew that at the end of the year, it was going to Marvel. And then Dark Horse was just kind of wrapping up the end of their the end of their run. And this was sort of their last big thing. And um, we sh- I will mention, yes, these stories are canon, if that matters to you. Um, there, there was a bit of a, uh, a mix up over at Marvel where they didn't realize that this was the one thing from the dark horse era that was still Canon. And they put, po- they posted these or they released these on the Marvel unlimited app. I think that's what it is. Well, however, they released them digitally and they had the legends banner on them. And there was a bit of an outcry, uh, by some clone wars fans on Twitter going, wait a minute, wait, these aren't legends. These, these happened. These are real. Um, uh, what was my what was my point? <laughs> oh right, uh, it, but the the comic book, um, you know, retelling these episodes uh, of these episodes, you know, they are one issue per episode, and I think you what you wind up with is almost a bit of a highlight reel of the episode. And you mentioned you know would have loved to have seen some of these fights uh, drawn out. I would have loved to have seen some of these conversations drawn out a little bit more between uh, Maul and Dooku, Sidious and Maul. Um, you know, a lot of these conversations, they had to be, you know, kept very quick to get to the action and the action had to keep moving forward. And so something like the Grievous versus Maul fight in the first issue slash episode, you know, that's something that probably would have been, you know, a minute, minute and a half, I would guess, or maybe even just 30 seconds in the episode, it has to be contained to just about one page. And so you, what you really wind up with is like I said, a highlight reel of the fight. It loses a lot of its nuance. And as I was reading those as individual issues and then having to not wait a week, like it was an episode, wait a month in between uh, issues. It was a a bit, you know, they were a bit, I don't want to say disappointing, but like I said, they just weren't, I wasn't enjoying them as much as I wanted to. And 
So putting them together into one, you know, one release into the trade paperback form or the digital form, I, I really enjoyed it a lot more and really got to get into the story and get into these characters again and, and, and understand and really appreciate the story in a way that I didn't get to when it was, you know, weekly issues of the comic book series. Uh, but let's get into these. Uh, I keep, I keep wanting to say episodes, but let's get into, so, uh, so I'm just going to say it. episodes. They are episodes. They are Clone Wars episodes. They just happen to be released in comic book form. And one of the first things, uh, that really stood out to me, and it was a line from Sidious. And he reveals the fact that he knows Mother Talzin is still alive, despite the fact that, you know, Grievous's troops basically decimated uh, Dathomir. Yeah, he knows that Talzin is still alive because Maul is still alive. And I wanted, because you know, the ending of this series, uh, the ending of this, uh, yeah, the ending of the series leaves Maul's future very open-ended. Um, what does that mean for Maul? What does it mean for Maul that now that, Talzin is dead. We're just going to skip to the end here. <laughs> we'll go back and talk about all this other stuff. Uh, but that, now that the fact that Talzin is dead, what does that mean for Maul going forward, do you think? It's a very, very good question. And had you asked that question before Rebels, it would have been even even more unclear. Um, I guess from what... We've only seen a little bit in a trailer, but... Uh, the way I look at Maul in in the Rebels trailer, he he's not just the fact he's he's older in age, but he perhaps seems a little bit wiser, and he seems to be, um, he's, you know, he's wearing that cloak. He's almost like hiding his identity. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the in this particular comic book, you see him in full blown. I am the true Sith, or we will bring down Lord Sidious, and I imagine. The, the events of this comic book have really knocked Maul down, really knocked him down uh, psychologically. Um, he's, he has just watched, as we discover in this novel, not just Mother Towson die, but mm-hmm. that, you know, not just the fact that she's the night sister mother, but that the fact that it's his mother yes. and, and, and his natural mother, and, and she's gone. She's dead. And, and, and the way it happens as well with her basically forcing him to leave because he refused to um was it must hurt even more and so he gets taken out by the mandalorians and then that's the last we see of him before rebels yeah so it'd be interesting to see if uh, in season two of rebels his his past from uh the clone wars up until we see the time we see him in rebels is actually explained whether we'll actually learn about his past or whether it will be left very ambiguous because at the end of the novel, he's still technically aligned with the Mandalorians. Yeah. And and we know, I I keep referencing Rebels here, but I have to because, as as you rightly said, Dominic, the trailer, etc., seemed very Clone Wars-esque. But the next Rebels episode is going to be focusing on the Mandalorians. So it will be interesting to see. By the time time people are listening to this, they'll have already seen it. (laughs) Well, exactly. We're recording as we're recording this. The episode's going to air on uh, not Cartoon Network, Disney XD, at about an hour and a half. So, uh, but yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's a it's a completely completely valid point. Like, what I wonder uh, when we next see Maul 
is, you know, what will his mental state, what will his power state be? Because it's kind of implied, I think, by that line from Sidious that Talzin being alive is really what's giving Maul his power. And this is what keeps him powerful. And we know the extent that uh, Talzin's power can reach. You know, we saw it with Savage Opress. And then when he died, he turned back into his regular version of himself. And, you know, Talzin was so involved in the bringing back of Maul. You know, she cleared his head of all of that craziness that he was experiencing on the junk planet when he had the spider legs and all that. She cleared his head. And I wonder... You know, with her being gone, could we almost see a mall that begins to slip back into that? Is this, you know, you know, we saw the return of Darth Maul and he reached these heights and really he reached peak power, I think, after he decapitated uh, Pre Vizsla in the episode uh, from season five, which I'm drawing a blank on. Shades of Reason. Shades of Reason, yeah. Yeah, so after that happened, I think that was Maul at his peak and everything since then is Maul is, is kind of the beginning of the his downfall. And it will be interesting to see when we meet him in Rebels if he'll be, you know, coherent the way he was through Clone Wars or if he'll kind of maybe beginning be beginning to slip back into that persona that we first met him uh, with when he had the spider legs and he was just rambling on crazily eating garbage and all that. That, that will be interesting to see. I... Based on based on this comic book, or or from what we've seen in the Clone Wars, I'd be surprised if, if that story was kind of recycled, or or perhaps uh, or, you know elements of that story were reused. But as you say, it, the mental state of Maul is going to be incredibly interested in Rebels, and we've only heard one line of. You know, call me old master. We don't, we don't. We don't really know what that means. We don't really know the context in which that line has been said. So it's it's left very open ended, and I think there's it's it's going to be an incredibly interesting story. And and no matter what you say, Maul has always been one of those iconic characters mm-hmm. since Phantom Menace. Yeah, and I know for some people. In that trailer, that was the big reveal. I know for you, Dominic, it was it was the Anakin oh, line, which yeah. I agree with. But for other people, the mall, yeah, absolutely, reveal was I, I, I massive. Oh, for sure, massive for sure. Yeah, and the other thing he says in the trailer is, "You seek knowledge." That's my terrible, terrible mall impression. There, um, he says that, and and so maybe you know the way Maul is able to keep himself sane post. Uh, Mother Talzin is by tapping into aspects of the force that are not, or, you know, some, some may consider to be unnatural, you know, like, like, like Sister magic or, or elements of the dark side. And, and that's how he's able to, to almost keep himself sane. Now that Mother Talzin, who almost seemed to be like anchoring him and, and keeping him from, from losing his mind again, uh, kept him, uh, you know, that, that might be what drives him or maybe he'll he'll lose some of his power maybe that's what will happen to him he'll lose some of his power and he will not be able to continue the fight he, he you know he'll, he'll have to become some kind of a recluse and he'll need someone like i don't know ezra some young force sensitive person to you know continue his mission at, at some point down the line uh but i i do think that there's really 
um, you know, looking ahead with Maul and and um, and the Mandalorians too, I think there's one key story missing uh, that I think has our understanding keeps our that keeps us from fully understanding um, the time between Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, and that is the Siege of Mandalore. And that's what we heard. We heard Rex talk about that in the season two premiere of Rebels. And it, and that seems to be uh, such a key pivotal moment in the Clone Wars. And it's one of the few that we haven't seen yet. And we don't really know because I, I imagine that would involve Maul. He was dragged back by the Mandalorians at the end of this this story. And, and I, I imagine and we know it would involve Ahsoka. And, and it seems like this is like the big story. And, and who knows? Maybe that would have been. I don't know if that would have been the series finale if they had it continued. I feel like the series finale would have tied into the Battle of Coruscant. But that probably would have been a pretty significant moment towards the end of the series. And, and I feel like that's kind of the missing piece right now from fully understanding uh, the Mandal- not only Maul, but the Mandalorians that we see in Rebels and how they got from where we see them at the end of this book, which is really... Uh, for the most part, the last time we see them, uh, see either of them. Uh, I know if, if you're reading the Kanan, the Lost Padawan comic series uh, in the most re- recent issue, which came out uh, on Wednesday, January 27th, a.k.a. the day we're recording this, uh, that featured a Mandalorian fighting alongside the Republic. So that might offer some clues, but there is still that missing piece there of what happened at the Siege of Mandalore. Where did Death Watch go? Where did the other loyalists, other Mandalorian, uh, uh, other Mandalorians go? And how did this uh, turn out for Maul? And how what drove him off into wherever he is when we meet him in Rebels? So I, I think that's the the key missing piece to the story right now. And that I don't say that in the sense that I necessarily need that story to be told to me right now. I, I'm okay with you know kind of having to piece it together for the moment. That's kind of the fun of it. Wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. That that's why people love Star Wars as much as anything else. It's it's because you're allowed to imagine, you're allowed to speculate and extrapolate about events or about characters which have yet to come to pass, or or maybe stories that are never told. And I think the ambiguous nature of it, it it sometimes drives our interest. It drives the passion because we can imagine in our own minds what will happen or or what has happened. So, I mean, we're going into Rebels, back half of season two. We're not going to get all the answers we want. We're not going to discover in the next episode featuring Sabine and the Mandalorians what has happened between or everything that's happened since the Clone Wars involving Death Watch and the Mandalorians. That's not going to happen because that the series is focused on our, our main characters, the Rebels, not the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. The same way that when we see Darth Maul, we will learn, hopefully, some of, something about his backstory since the Clone Wars, but we're not going to learn everything. It's, it's going to be an episode which features Darth Maul in Rebels. So it, it, there is a lot of ambiguity there's still a lot of ambiguity, and I kind of said a word. There's a lot of ambiguity to it all, but that, as you rightly say, Dominic, is sometimes what drives the interest. And I, I really think that this novel does well in answering a few questions, but then leaving a lot of unanswered questions, or at least uh, sparking more debate. And I look forward mm. to discussing some of those other elements throughout this show. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's let's get into what's really one of the driving relationships between or for this story, and that's between Sidious and Talzin. And so we learn in the the book that uh, Sidious was originally going to train Talzin as his apprentice, as you know, Talzin would be the one who would uh, rule by his side, not Maul, not Dooku, not Vader. And then he discovered Maul. And took him and took Maul from Talzin, leading to this, uh, you know, longstanding hatred that she has for Sidious and this really quite, uh, quite interesting and, and elaborate plot that she lays out to kill uh, Sidious, which I mean, let's let's just quickly go over what her plot was. So when when Ventress comes back to her having been rejected by Dooku, she uses Ventress as a means to um, draw out Darth Maul's brother out of the Knight Brothers, being Savage Opress. And then she has Ventress train Savage to the point where he's ready to take on Dooku. And they go and, you know, they infiltrate Dooku. And then together, Savage and Asajj take on Dooku. Dooku defeats them both. And Savage, beaten and upset, returns to Mother Talzin. And she sends him off to find Darth Maul. So this is really, you know, she really does take the long way around for for finding Maul. Because that seems to be what her ultimate goal is. Or maybe her goal was to use her, I guess, her other son, um, Savage Opress, to uh, take down Sidious, but realized he wasn't powerful enough. And then she sends Savage out to uh, bring back Maul. And then Maul comes back and she kind of lets Maul have this... Uh, little shadow collective of his, you know, let him have this quest for power. And then it's only when he's kind of been beaten by Sidious again, that he really has that desire to take him down. So it, it's really <laughs> an intricate plot that she's, and, and quite the web that she spins here. You know, that was something we always talked about with the show is what is her ultimate ag- objective. And it was to kill Dooku. And it was really, uh, you know, I imagine that she trained with Sidious a little bit because this is a Sidious level plot in its complexity. And, you know, it really requires a lot of things to go right. And, you know, she came close, but ultimately, you know, Sidious is the man when it comes to this stuff. He is the, you know, you can't, you can't out Sidious Sidious uh, for as much as she might've tried, but it, it was quite an elaborate scheme of hers. Uh, so I'll, I'll throw this to you first. Do you feel this was a satisfying conclusion to that arc, that Mother Talzin storyline uh, that we were introduced to in season three and really followed th- followed through every season since then? I think so, because as soon as you discovered the, the connections between Mother Talzin, Savage and Maul mm-hmm. uh, in the Clone Wars, you kind of knew it was only going to go one way. For such a powerful being, and I think her power was aptly demonstrated during the Battle of Dathomir in season four, when she was able to kind of use that voodoo magic to almost kill Dooku, uh, who was in Sereno, uh, <laughs> you know, multiple planets or systems away. She almost killed him. So that, in a way, demonstrates the the scope of her power, mm-hmm. but. Uh, there's no way that Mother Towson could have stayed around uh, yeah. 
in, in the era of the Clone Wars leading up to the Galactic Empire, Sidious would never have allowed it. Mm-hmm. And it had Sidious, and after seeing Sidious go off the mall, it was clear that Mother Towson would soon be <laughs> yeah. on the radar, even Did- if she wasn't affiliated with Maul. The only thing I would have liked to have seen throughout the Clone Wars was perhaps uh, more interaction, or at least a single, perhaps, interaction between Maul and Towson. Because this is actually the first time, I believe, we see Maul and Towson interact yeah, other than, with each other. Other the than, only time, of course, is when he's kind of uh, crazy. The resurrection. Yeah, but he but he, he never actually sees her then, mm-hmm. and he never and, and they never seem to acknowledge each other. Savage does, mm-hmm. uh, and, and and Mother Towson communicates with, with him. But anything that happens with Darth Maul is quite off screen. So that was the only little surprising actor i guess in this comic where in at the beginning of the second issue he starts talking with her and then i was kind of like oh how did that come about <laughs> uh, we've never seen this before but again we talk about the whole we don't need all our um all of the questions answered so i wasn't too bothered about yeah. that's quite a trivial matter really yeah but well, I, I mean but, i think it kind of illustrates what i was saying that it that this really was a very intricate scheme of hers where she kind of – it almost seems like her plot was just kind of to let him be for a while after he returned, let him build up this power network, and then to the point where he caught Sidious's attention, and then when Sidious came crashing down on him and, and you know, basically beat him up in a fight, he, you know, he became kind of desperate, and he had to turn to her for help, and, you know, really, you know, she is his mother, and she kind of gives birth to him twice in a way, or she gives him life twice i that's i think that's a better way of putting it you know both in the literal sense at the beginning of his life uh but also when she restores him in the resurrection in in season four so you know when he's in in danger and in need of help i think that's just automatically where he's going to turn and 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 like i said it's a really intricate intricate scheme and i almost wonder you know was maul part of this plan from the beginning or was you know her plan to have uh to have Ventress or or and Savage, you know, when if they actually succeeded in killing Dooku, I mean, how would that have changed things? Would they then have gone and and brought back Darth Maul and the three of them taken on Sidious, or would they have uh, infiltrated Sidious as his apprentice, or one of them would have? Like I, I wonder. That's that's the one place where I kind of feel like the story is a little bit. Uh for me, that's the one place where I feel like the story is a little bit like little rickety is is you know with the you know what was what was the what was the original plan was it to get darth maul or was that the backup plan um either way i think it was it was executed quite well over several story arcs and several seasons but i i, I i'm a little still a little curious about that well as you say is extremely complex and- yeah the way you can look at it's, another it's, thousand for it's an all almost this- like i said it's an almost sidious level scheme it is. it is. She is the female version, almost, of mm-hmm. Darth Sidious, or you know, a Night Sister version. Um, but you can tell she's ambitious. She is mm-hmm. incredibly ambitious, like Sidious is. It's just if if you really start to think about it, it, it really paints Mother Towson in a very malevolent light, more so than perhaps we used to, because yeah. although she is malevolent, she does give off. It's, it's going to rhyme here. She does give off a benevolent <laughs> side to her character when she's 
interacting with Ventress, her night sisters, uh, even some of the night brothers. Um, and, and you kind of see that Mother Towson perhaps is portraying this kind of caring and, and uh, ch- charitable character, a selfless character. In reality, she is incredibly ambitious. Mm-hmm. And in a way, she's incredibly selfish because she's trying to do uh, everything within her power to get what she wants. Although I will say, uh, as almost a redeeming quality, her love for her son is is certainly a redeeming characteristic because she, I, I believe, you may have a different interpretation, Dominic, but I believe throughout this comic, and particularly by the end, you see she does care about Moore. Yes. And Moore is her son. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens, uh, she's connected to him in particular. With Ventress, she disappeared in a puff of smoke after mm-hmm. the Battle of Daphne Townsend did. Yeah. No matter what she said, she didn't stay. That she was... didn't mentor Ventress. She left her. That perhaps shows the distinction mm-hmm. of her interactions with those two yeah that's something i was surprised we didn't get in dark dark disciple right i, I kind of thought we would see an appearance by talzin especially when we learned that this comic took place in between the two the two parts of the novel but but yeah it, it, that but that's that's a good point that it does kind of illustrate the fact that she does truly care for maul and you know for as much as you know the jedi forbid forbid attachment that almost seems to be just as much or more so a Sith uh, cat, a, a Sith thing to avoid because, you know, she has this attachment to Maul and that is almost her undoing, I think, in in some of the final pages where, you know, maybe he could have stayed and helped her. Maybe he could have stopped Grievous from from stabbing her, um, but she told him to leave and he, he ultimately did. And that was the end of her. That was the end of Really, I, I you know, we at the end of the Clone Wars, there are no Night Sisters left. Uh, you know, Ventress is gone, Talzin is gone, the entire clan was killed off. It almost makes you wonder what happens to that culture, to that history. If maybe there's a, um, you know, a Kylo Ren for the for the Night Sisters. You know, the way Kylo Ren worships Vader. Maybe there's somebody out there who who really. Uh, in a in a sick sort of way, worships the Night Sisters and and wants to you know finish what they started. Uh, if that if that exists out there, but um, but yeah, I, it, well, it's I, in, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. Just to jump in, I think it's it's interesting actually to think that Darth Maul is really the only one left. Yeah, in terms of any ties to that culture. When you bear bear in mind he was in nineteen ninety nine <laughs> the first Sith to go, and yet somehow throughout the whole two decades since then almost uh he's he's managed to survive, yeah, and so that could be another interesting aspect that we may see in rebels is does he reveal anything about his ties to the night sisters or mother Towson, or does he just try and erase it from his memory, obviously it hurts. Uh, immediately after the act of Mother Towson being killed, but does he manage to kind of just try and forget it? Or do those emotions of hate fuel him further? That would be interesting to see how he reacts to it in that way. And as you say, uh, maybe there could be another idolizer of the of the Night Sister clan. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I, it'll be interesting to see, because... I think Maul was so was more a Sith than he ever was a Night Brother. I mm. think Savage uh, was more a Night Brother than he was a Sith. 
in in that sort of way and, and I think we got that impression just from the way that Savage wanted to help his his brother when they were in that that that, that those games almost that that those twisted games that Ventress was was holding to see who would be worthy to be her apprentice uh you know he wanted to help whereas Maul has always been kind of out for himself and he was threatening Savage in the season 5 uh five premiere and, and that and that sort of thing so i i don't know if maul really feels a connection to dothamir um outside of you know mother talzin i i feel like you know ventress had that connection savage probably had that connection but i, I don't think maul really does and i think if the night sister culture is ever to be resurrected it will be by someone like uh you know like like it, it would be by a a Kylo Ren type uh, who worships them. But even then, uh, you know, Kylo Ren's not a Sith Lord. So I don't know if we could ever, if we'll ever really see Night Sisters in the future of Star Wars. We could certainly, I think it would be awesome to go back in time and, and tell some stories uh, somewhere down the road about the ancient Night Sisters. But I don't think we'll be seeing any Night Sisters, you know, post Clone Wars anytime soon, unless maybe, you know, unless they, they could always do something like, yo, there was one who was off on the on a off on doing something else on some other planet uh down the you know during when all this went down and they return 15 years later to restart the culture or something you know they could do, they could always do something uh something like that but i i think the the night sister line has been cut and uh, any stories about them will be told in the old republic or or pre phantom menace at least uh and that and you know the night sister um imagery you know the location of their temples on dothamir they really that's something that the show did so well was convey a sense of history there and uh, and i think dark disciple does that well too when when they describe um you know when voss is is voss and ventress are you know thinking about what they're seeing um but the show did it just did it so well and, and you know that's one of the great things about star wars you know it's what we were talking about with the siege of mandalore is that you know there there's these potential for stories there and you know maybe someday we'll tell them maybe someday they'll or maybe someday they won't be told you know that it, it, it it's always kind of left open and left uh there's there's potential there for the story uh but we see in in this uh in this book we kind of see the the shadow collective fall apart it, it breaks up uh you know the the huts abandon mall pretty much right away once he's been taken away but black sun and the pikes are still there throughout most of the story, but they eventually ditch the shadow collective really after this book, Maul is really left with a broken power base. And we see that the, the underworld, which was once united has kind of gone back to its separate ways. And, and, you know, on the last page of the, of the book, Sidious makes the, uh, makes the statement that their future, uh, you know, the, the, the future, um, is their future is more certain than it has ever been. How much of a threat do you think Darth Maul ever, ever actually was? And now that this, you know, empire that he's, he built up on his own has collapsed. It, it, do you think that, you know, is that really what Sidious at for as much as destroying uh Talzin, was that as, do you think that was as big a part of his plan in this uh, as, as it needed to be or. I think so. I think, Talzin was 
was a loose end that he certainly wanted to get rid of. But she was also a very powerful being. Mm-hmm. And I think to kind of put into perspective, I guess, within this comic, uh, Sidious's view on all of this is actually when he's under the guise of Chancellor. Mm. Because he, 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 the Chancellor, or as Chancellor, uh, Sidious as Chancellor, does, does prop up. That crop up in this book. Mm-hmm. It's so late here; I just can't speak anymore. <laughs> but when they come, I'm struggling to articulate myself. Um, but he says at the at the end of the third issue, when uh, when Mace Windu reports to the Chancellor about failing to capture Dooku and Maul, um, and believing that they were working in tandem together, that uh, Maul he says it, well, he seemed extremely gleeful at the fact that Maul and Dooku had slipped through the hands of the Jedi. And it says at the end, he feared it would prove disastrous for the Republic. Now, we obviously know the uh, the secondary meaning behind that. Uh, or at least I believe that there was secondary meaning behind that in the sense that it would prove disastrous that the Republic were unable to capture Maul and Dooku, who in turn maybe could have uh, helped the Jedi stop Sidious. So it, it does become very interesting when you look at it from that angle because it kind of demonstrates to me that Sidious does view Maul as a threat mm-hmm. and he wouldn't have gone involved in Season 5 personally yeah. if he didn't view Maul as a menace or uh, as, as a player as a, as a in the game menace. who could undermine his rule or undermine his goals. Yeah. And I really feel that Maul does play a crucial part in that. Do you yes, think... Mother Towson does as well. Mm-hmm. Sorry, jump in, Dominic. I was going to say, do you think it's Maul so much as, or is it um, his the power that he's built up? Like, what is What do you think is the bigger threat to Sidious? Does Sidious view Maul himself as a threat or is it this? Or is it the Shadow Collective? Because I feel like you know, for, for Sidious, um, Maul probably isn't going to be a huge problem or a huge threat for him in creating the Empire necessarily. But uh, once the Empire is established, I think, you know, Sidious needs to then be able to control the underworld as well through other means. You know, obviously he can't just he can't have a governor or he can't just send stormtroopers, but he needs to be able to control the underworld. And I think he probably sees it as probably easier to control if they are, if it's the Huts, uh, the Pikes, and the Black Sun as separate entities rather than as one entity, it's certainly going to play a factor. And I, Darth Maul, is not necessarily on the radar as much for Sidious up until the events from the episode Eminence in season yeah. five up until Lawless, because we obviously have that conversation in Revival. So that was the first episode of season five between the Jedi and Palpatine, where he kind of says, let more play with the rabble. Doesn't, mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Doesn't make a difference. Yet when we get into the comic book, he's saying, push all the Republic resources, d- d- use as much as you can do. Now that may be a way of trying to throw... Republic off the scent, or or maybe he feels that maybe, the Republic still aren't powerful enough to manage the situation. I don't know what or maybe that he was can, exactly. Maybe he can use the Republic to to do his dirty work. Like he won't actually well, exactly. have to get involved. He he could have Obi Wan Kenobi or Mace Windu kill Darth Maul, and then things are looking pretty good for Sidious. 
Exactly, and because of course the Republic is as much uh, the Palpatine's military arm, or, or you know, the, the the might of Palpatine as it is of the Jedi. So it, that's a very interesting point to raise, and I think that just Darth Sidious has always been more concerned about things which don't fall within the Republic or the Separatists. So those kind of elusive uh, parties or factions or planets which haven't sided with the Republic or the Separatists. He's been after those neutral systems, and Mandalore's a case in point, to kind of ensure that they go and fall on one side or the other. And I think Darth Maul kind of fits into that almost third force element in the sense that he's recruiting these underworld syndicates who have no real strong allegiance to either political party. They don't necessarily... uh, uh, They're not affiliated with the Separatists or the Republic, per se. Most of them are just profiteers. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what they care about. And if they get their money, then they'll be happy enough as it is. And if Maul is the one who's seen as the individual to provide them that results, then they'll just go and fall with him. And so that's where I think Sidious is, uh, that his real enemy lies. Not Yes, the Jedi are his true enemy, but at least I get, I don't think enemy was the wrong word I was trying to, what the, I'm trying the, the to use to his is client. obstacle. Yeah. It's this obstacle, I think. Sorry, jump it. Yeah, Don't I was going to say, it's like the, the threat to his plan is the yeah, fact exactly. that, this is, that this is going on. Yeah, yeah. My, my point was was just that I don't think Sidious necessarily sees Darth Maul alone as any sort of threat to him. We oh, know we know that we, we they had their, their duel in um, the Lawless, and you know, that, that pretty much settled things. But you know, Darth Maul is still out there if he's, if he's got this powerful uh, syndicate, uh, you know, the, the Shadow Collective. And once those are all, um, you know, once, you know, if Sidious can either control all of them or he wants to disperse all of them and, you know, get back to focusing on letting the Clone War play out. Because, you know, at the very least, these uh, these criminal elements could just throw a wrench in the Clone War. They could, you know, if they start attacking the Republic, well, that's, you know, that that could, you know make it harder for the Republic to win the war. Same thing with the separatists and Sidious really needs things to be at this standstill where neither uh, side is necessarily winning or losing. And if the shadow collective gets involved and, and starts messing things up, then all of a sudden he has to come up with new ways. And it's, it's a wrench thrown in his plan uh, to keep the war at kind of a stalemate. Exactly. It kind of, as you say, hampers his goals or at least serves to undermine his plan and a plan which is so complex complicated and well thought out but there are always going to be those factors in a galaxy as large as the one in star wars which are going to be out of sidious's control he's got to try and make the best sometimes out of a bad situation mm-hmm. you know more coming back and mother Towson's role their their threads or their threats, I should say, um, which he needs to contain, which he needs to remove, if he wants to become an emperor of the galaxy. Mm-hmm. You can't have someone as powerful as Towson out there, or you can't have, as you said, it's not Maul alone, but Maul commanding a united underworld syndicate um, against Sidious, because all of a sudden, that suddenly 
you know, something out of his control. And I think, in a way, I guess watching Game of Thrones, Sidious always reminds me of the of Littlefinger mm. of, of yeah. Star Wars. Almost, it kind of needs to be within his control. You know, he he's almost in control of both sides of that coin. He never leaves anything to chance. And so when he personally intervenes in matters like this, I think that demonstrates how important it is because Sidious is not leaving it to, quote-unquote, a lackey. He's doing it himself. He's making sure it's done. Move on. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So I want to talk about this quote from Sidious again. It's on the very last page of the book. He says, quote, that which never learned. There are those with power and those who dream of power. And her existence was nothing but a dream. Now, something we talked about frequently on the on the show and something that people wondered about was, you know, what was Mother Talzin? What was her existence? She was that mist, but she was still a, a, a real person. I, do you think there's anything more to read into that than... Uh, uh, that line from Sidious because we know that she had that power to you know turn Savage Press at least temporarily into that monster and then of course he lost that that power once he died do you think there's more to what Sidious is saying do you think he's almost dismissing Night Sister magic as not real power I'm not sure he's necessarily going along that line because I mean, the fight that happened between Sidious and Talzin should be more than enough to prove that, yes, Talzin is a strong force, and mm-hmm. surely that that fight was real. I mean, it, it, that, that visually, that fight reminded me of uh, when Voldemort faced off against Harry Potter and you had the green <laughs> yeah. glow against the red uh, the red sparks. Yeah. Um, and and that kind of imagery, that's what was reminiscent of. And I I don't necessarily think that Sidious is disputing the fact that Night Sister Magic is necessarily incorporeal or, or unreal. Um, but what I would say is that he certainly dismisses the extent to its power and because he says the existence of her was almost a dream, I, I, it, it, it's almost him perhaps downplaying mm. the Night Sister magic as a form of the Force, yeah. or maybe as a as a form of the as dark side, level. to the level that Sidious um, possesses. And of course, Sidious, mm-hmm. having worked with Talzin, would have learned a lot about the history of that magic, or at least yeah. he would have seen it in use more so than any of the others. I mean, when Townsend is draining a life force from Dooku and for a split moment, it's Dooku versus Sidious. Yeah. Already oh, that, would have, that would have been so um, good to see on the screen, man. <laughs> that would have I been know. such a cool and clone wars animation. Oh, that would have been so great. It would have been awesome. Um, but within that duel, Sidious took Dooku out very quickly, mm-hmm. um, in spite of the fact that it was supposedly Talzin kind of possessing his body. And I think that kind of demonstrates the level which Sidious is at and the way that he just views things. Um, and I, 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 that's the way I perceive it. I think he just downplays 
night sister magic as a form of the dark side. I, how do you interpret it though? Because it is certainly an yeah. open-ended well, interpretation you can get from it. it. It reminded me of the line that Mace Windu had in the disappeared episodes from season six, where he says, magic is just an illusion. And there almost seems to be a bit of a downplaying of the, you know, the, the importance or the power of the night sisters by both Jedi and Sith here. And we know from these, from these episodes from the comic book here that it was really powerful. And it, it, you know, it, it did at the very least cause Sidious some stress, if not, you know, a real uh, threat. Uh, so I, I just thought it was interesting. I don't know if it necessarily means that, you know, she doesn't have a, a physical form or anything or any, anything quite like that. It, it just struck me as, as curious that she would, or that he would, would refer to that. I think what he's probably referring to and what we're meant to take from that scene is that, you know, her existence, her, any thought she had of any, having any real power in the galaxy was just a dream. I don't know if it's supposed to be any sort of literal, uh, translation of, you know, she didn't actually exist or anything like that. But I, I thought it was interesting and, and kind of reminiscent of dialogue from Mace Windu of all people. Yeah. It is interesting the comparison between the views of the Jedi and the Sith on mm-hmm. the Night Sisters itself. And I think as well, it just reminds the audience that there are so many different factions within Star Wars in terms of force users or at least uh, the ways in which you can manipulate the use of the force. In the same way that when we come to The Force Awakens, um, you know, we have the First Order and we have Kylo Ren and, and, and Supreme Leader Snoke and obviously people are quick to say they're the Sith. But, I mean... There are multiple different factions. There are, there are different ways in which this power can be used, and different syndicates who use the Force. And the Night Sisters is just one of those. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to use the phrase that Palpatine says, in you know, a narrow dogmatic view of the Jedi. In a way, if we, as the audience, look at it from a narrow dogmatic way, then we will dis- we will dismiss the Night Sister magic as not being a part of the Force, but. The thing is a lot more complicated than that, but as you say, certainly interested to see that it's highlighted by both the Jedi and the Sith, the way in which they really under underplay the Night System magic. They they downgrade it for what it really is, um, even though from an audience perspective, we'd seen the power of Night System magic. Um, yeah, but it's interesting, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, the fact that they, uh, you know, I don't think they dismissed its power necessarily, but they, uh, you know, clearly at, at the very least in, in some of those early episodes, Obi-Wan knew it was a threat and, and, and I think Yoda recognized it, but there there wasn't a real, but there was almost, I think, I think anybody who uses the force is kind of feels that they're using it the right way. And we see that with the Jedi, you know, you use the light side with the, with the uh, Sith, you use the dark side and with the night sister, you use, you use this magic. And it almost seems like anybody, you know, if you've been indoctrinated into one of these, um, one of these groups, uh, you know, for lack of a better term, religions, uh, then, you know, you're going to kind of look at 
look at the other ones and, and maybe kind of look down on the way that those people mm-hmm. use the force. And he even got that, got a bit of a sense of that with the, with the Degoyan masters and, and, you know, they were using the light side, but they still didn't like the way the Jedi did things. You know, all of these different groups are, are tapping into the force. It's just, they don't always see eye to eye despite this fact. And, uh, it, it, I think it's interesting. And, and, you know, I, I don't think Sidious ever saw, Talzin as as a real threat necessarily, but at the same time, I don't. I think he real when when she began to reemerge and and the Night Sisters and the Night Brothers became a threat again. I think he realized that that was a loose end that he couldn't afford to um, have out there, even if nothing major was probably going to come of it. Um, in case it did, you know, it was better for him to to deal with it, uh, even you know now, which is a little bit later than maybe he should have, but you know, better late than never. Uh, is there anything else you want to bring up from these uh, from this story, or shall we uh, move on to favorite quotes? Um, maybe just one more question. Go for it. Attached, and I'll, I'll throw it to you, Dominic. What did you make of? Um, I was going to say General Grievous, but actually, I'm going to change it. I'm going to I actually focus a little bit on the Jedi because we haven't actually talked about their role per se in this novel and of course novel this comic book and of course the emphasis of this comic book is on the dark side of the force Mm -hmm. but in the third act or the third issue the jedi do play a relatively prominent role Mm -hmm. what what did you make of their their mission and 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 the way they went about their mission to capture maul and dooku the idea almost of you know, throwing all they had at take uh, at capturing the leaders. Yeah, um, is, is is it also very interesting when you consider the context of the Dark Disciple novel that we've just read? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it is. I think this is a a situation. I I, I kind of wonder. You know, this takes place in the middle of of Dark Dis- Disciple. I kind of wonder. Uh, you know, is I guess Voss must at this point be at Dooku's side, so maybe he's off doing another thing i i I don't know obviously just the way these were released it would have been hard to include a reference to that in in this without um you know spoiling a pretty pretty good twist in dark disciple so i i i guess yeah this is sort of a situation where you know they they do want to take out dooku as, as we saw in dark disciple and so they have this opportunity to not only take out dooku but to take out maul who is I think they view uh, as as an equal threat as Dooku. I think they they definitely view Maul uh, as much more of a threat than even Sidious does, uh, because he you know he's killed Jedi. He he's he beat Obi Wan. You know he Maul is is definitely a threat in this era, and yeah, I think it makes total sense uh, that the Jedi would want to do this. Uh, although I I will say it, their their plan seemed a little bit reckless. I think. Uh, but I think that's a result of the fact that this is probably a rare opportunity. Um, the fact that they are already invested in trying to assassinate Dooku, as we saw in the Dark Disciple arc. Um, maybe this is they could view this as a way to bring back Voss, although they don't ever um, mention it in the story. Uh, I, I I think it's you know it makes a lot of sense that they would launch such an attack to get both of these high profile targets. 
Uh, I did think it was interesting though that that Mace Windu suggested that Dooku might be the apprentice, uh, might be the master, and and the mm. and Maul might be the apprentice, and he suggests that to Sidious, and Sidious is like, oh yes, yes, well, quiet, quiet, you know, he's uh, in his guise as as Chancellor Palpatine. But uh, I'll I'll throw it back to you. What what do you think? Yeah, that was certainly an interesting line. That yeah, one, uh, that one there, that and, and as you say, in terms of who who was responding to Mace. Mace Windu there. I mean that that line actually made me think of the uh, the episode three quote that Mace Windu says, "A Sith Lord." Or yeah. as though, oh no, <laughs> oh. I mi- I missed out on another one. I thought it was Dooku. Um, but uh, the Jedi role was actually quite interesting. It didn't have a massive role to play necessarily, but um, to kind of see how they were doing at this stage and. I was actually surprised if they were going for an all-out campaign that there were only five Jedi. There. Well, we know, we know the Jedi kind of always uh, always underestimate how many they need. I mean, yeah, uh, Mace true. Windu goes to to take on uh, Darth Sidious in Revenge of the Sith, and he's only got you know Kit Fisto and a couple other guys with him. And there's four of them to take down the Sith Lord. You'd think they would take like at least a dozen. Uh, but although I did like because of the way the canon universe works that when the fight took place between the Jedi and the Sith Lords that there was only going to be one person who was going to die in that fight and <laughs> I think it was pretty predictable who that was going to be yeah poor sadly poor having to join master, her sister yeah, who would poor be master killed Tipley. by a clone tub yeah poor master Tipley <laughs> yeah know, as soon she as, had a rough rough couple of months as soon as she walked into the into frame you knew it as soon as yeah, as soon as she showed up in a panel it's like oh that's who's gonna die that's this is the end of the, <laughs> this is the end of the the tip tipley the tip sisters <laughs> yeah uh but uh, yeah the tipsters the tipsters there you go there you go quite like that actually. yeah yeah might, i think that's good i think that line yeah um, <laughs> but yeah but it, i thought it was great the uh the, the way that the jedi obviously got involved but as you said it, it's not overly surprising that they would underestimate and i guess because it's so quick as you say they found out the information very very quickly they didn't have a lot of time to mobilize their forces in an uh, in an effective way, or to create a, a well planned strategy, uh-huh. and I think that really harmed them here. Yeah, yeah. They and the fact that this obviously took place between episodes two and three, but we're, yeah, we're not, yeah. not going to count that. Not going to count that. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't. Say. They couldn't be that successful. <laughs> but overall, I thought it, it was good to bring in the Jedi as a third element. It was actually quite surprising because you, throughout the first two issues, you're so used to it being Darth Maul, Dooku, Talzin, and Sidious, and then the Jedi come in, and you're almost like, oh, yeah, there is still this Clone Wars thing going on. <laughs> so <laughs> it is good yeah. to see them occur and uh, get involved. And Mace Windu, he actually got involved quite a bit. Uh-huh. Actually got yeah. involved in a lightsaber fight. And that would be interesting crazy. to see, wouldn't it, against Darth oh, Maul? Yeah. That would have been, man just the action scenes alone in this story story arc would have been amazing to have seen in the animation. And I think that that's one, it's a testament to the storytelling that, you know, we want to see these, these, uh, these fights and they're, they're, you know, they're doing really interesting things with these characters. And I, it's also a testament, I think to the animation quality of the show. 
um, that existed because it was so good and it was, you know, it was that high level of, of, of action and, 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 uh, quality animation that it would have, you know, just, I mean, looking at them, the art is beautiful in the comic book, but it just would have been amazing to see those, uh, those images come to life and, and with the character models and, and, you know, the way we were used to seeing these characters to see them fight it out, uh, one more time on, on the, on the, I guess on the small screen, uh, would have been amazing, but still pretty happy with how it turned out in the comic. Uh, but I think with that, I think now is the time to transition into our favorite quotes. This is the part of the show where we like to shine the spotlight on some of the writing, uh, from the from the series and from the comics and and pick out some of our some, some of our favorite lines of dialogue so I'll, I'll throw it over to you first Kieran for your favorite quote from Darth Maul son of Dathomir okay so my my favorite quote was actually a very silly one but I did, I did find it very highly and amusing was at the beginning of the first issue when Darth Maul is rescued by his mando friends if you want to call them that yeah. or his allies and uh, as they escape uh, they blow up the, the, the kind of just a wall and then they kind of skyline down it and then there's the droid commander who asked the question should we follow them and all of the droids saying you union negative negative negative, negative. <laughs> <laughs> realizing no we, d- we don't want to fall down there we're not going to go down that mountain <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm actually going to I'm going to go with a, a, a just just before that moment when the Mandos are actually breaking Maul out of prison and uh Maul says to them, "This was your plan." You know, they're locked in a firefight with the droids and then a few few panels later, they blow a hole in the wall. They just blow just hit the wall with one of the one of their rockets and leaves this big hole for them to escape. Uh, and the Mando says, this was our plan. And it's kind of, re- I, th- I thought that was kind of reminiscent of, uh, you know, the, the escape from the, the first Death Star with, with Leia and Han. You know, you, you got in here, didn't you have a plan for getting out? He's the brain, sweetheart! You know, it was kind of, kind of reminiscent of that. And I would have loved to have seen, uh, you know, I would have loved to have heard the performances there. Uh, I can, can only imagine how Sam Witwer would have, would have played that scene. I think it would have been great. Uh, do you have any others you wanna wanna highlight? I've got one more in the in the final issue, right. and it's uh, when Grievous and Sidious arrive on Daphomir to take Maul down, and uh, Sidious says, "You never learn more. There is only one plan, one great design that shall govern the universe." Mine, yeah. and then you kind of <laughs> see the yellow Sith eyes in that comic book strip and you're just like, Oh, I could, I could just imagine, uh, whether it was the, the, the recently deceased Ian Abercrombie, or if it was Tim Curry or even Ian McDermott, I could just see them saying that line. And it's a truly evil, sidious type line. I loved it. Yeah. So that, that's my final quote. What about yourself? I've got one more. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of a silly one. Uh, when, when Maul has both Grievous and Dooku captured and uh, Maul orders Grievous to be taken away, Grievous's last line to Dooku is, 
it would be unfortunate if next time we meet Count, I had to add your lightsaber to my collection. Of course, recalling the great line from episode (laughs) three, but also, you know, kind of giving us a little bit of insight into what their relationship is like. And, you know, it's always been implied that maybe Grievous and Dooku don't get along all that well, although that's never something we really saw on uh, on the show or even in the movies but it it was always kind of implied that you know dooku didn't love grievous and and grievous maybe saw himself as better than count dooku even though he clearly isn't uh but so to to get a little moment of that in in these in this arc i thought was uh was a nice little nod and uh made for a pretty great line absolutely so that will wrap things up for us on this episode of the Clone Wars Strikes Back. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Before we go, just time for final thoughts and score out of 10. So I'll throw it to you, Kieran. Final thoughts, score out of 10 for Darth Maul, son of Dathomir. Final thoughts on son of Dathomir. It was a phenomenal story arc, in my opinion. I absolutely loved it. And there were just so many great components to this comic story. Um, I thought the plot was great. The characters that we, we were used in this novel were, were used to perfection, I think. And, mm-hmm. and you, you really felt like these were the same characters who you'd watched and grown to admire on the Clone Wars TV series. The likes of Maul, Dooku, Talzin, Sidious, you name it in this novel to perfection the dialogue was great and we just gone through some of those great lines there there were so many more that we could have chosen and i think the dialogue was on point visually the comic book gave something a little bit different something we're not quite used to as clone wars fans and i think the way in which the the format was was really used was just i think it used the story very very well it managed to adapt the story was managed to adapt to the format and the visual cues like we said we would have loved to have seen some of these action set pieces on the television screen or in animated form but even watching it on a comic or even reading it i should say on a comic book strip was enough to kind of glean in your minds what what this fight would have been like you can use your imaginations uh, to go as wild as you'd want it to be so all in all a great great star wars the clone wars story arc and i'm going to be giving this a 9.5 out of 10 nice. over to you dominic for your final thoughts yeah, like I said at the at the top of the show, it was a it was a bit of an adjustment to make, uh, getting used to uh, these stories that we were used to seeing, you know, drawn out over eighty eight minutes, uh, condensed into, you know, just into four issues of a comic book series, and and like I said, maybe in a in a in a perfect world they would have done this as uh, longer than just four issues, you know, maybe eight issues or 10 issues or, or 12 or, or who knows what, but the, the story that they told was absolutely fantastic. Um, reading it all at once, as opposed to waiting a month in between issues was, uh, was even better. I, I really, like I said, I really, really enjoyed it, enjoyed reading it around the second and third time. Uh, it really holds up and it, it tells a great story. It's really well put together. Um, I loved seeing the conclusion to to one of the storylines that we'd really been following 
throughout uh, the series, and that is Mother Talzin. And, and you know, even though we wrapped up one storyline, there's there's still lots of hanging plot threads from this storyline, from this story that can be picked up in the future. I'm sure would have been told on future episodes of the series, but uh, unfortunately, we we won't be seeing those anytime soon. Uh, but we will get some of them picked up in Rebels, which is exciting, and and maybe we'll get some answers, maybe we'll get some hints about what came. Uh, what comes in between uh but either way i thought that the story was really well told the art was was great it was kind of cool to see the way they mixed the clone war style with the realistic movie style i loved uh i think it was the cover to issue two where you had uh count dooku looking like christopher lee and not the clone wars character model uh facing off with the knight brothers who are some who are characters we had only ever seen on the clone wars it was a really striking image as, as a fan of the clone wars to see them uh to see that story and, and those characters integrated with the films that we love and and, and yeah, and, and some great, uh, some great action in, in the series, uh, some fights that we, I'm sure we always, uh, wanted to see. And it's cool that we got to get them in comic book form, like, uh, Maul versus Grievous, Windu versus, uh, versus Maul, some really cool stuff. And, and, uh, I, I'm going to give this, uh, a, a, a solid 8.5 out of 10. So that will wrap things up. We'll be back next week discussing the final, uh, chapters of uh, Star Wars Dark Disciple, the novel by Christy Golden. On our previous episode, we covered the first 25 chapters, and we'll be covering, I guess, chapter uh, 26 through the end of the book. Wherever you left off last time uh, is where we'll be picking up uh, on our next episode. So uh, looking forward to discussing that, looking forward to discussing the end of the Vent- Ventress storyline and uh, how th- how things shake out with Voss. It's a, it's a, it's, we're in for a yeah, if you room for a good read in the time in between episodes and a great discussion on the next episode, which should be in about two weeks' time. Uh, Kieran, do you want to let people know what's coming up on Expression FM this week? Expression FM this week, not so busy, surprisingly, but that's because February coming up is going to be absolutely hectic, and it starts off in two weeks with. Guild Elections Week, and uh, for those of you who don't know what that involves, it's the uh, students get the opportunity to be elected into uh, something called the Students Guild, and um, they get to earn a lot of money for, well, I say earn a lot of money, they get to earn a sum of money, I should say, uh, for standing for these positions. And I'm actually going to be running... Uh, with someone in the campaign uh, nice. in one of the campaigns so it's going to be interesting he's running for something called VP Activities which kind of is focused on societies and it's going to be absolutely mental every Guild Elections Week is the same where all of a sudden campus is just heaving with people handing out flyers leaflets and all sorts and probably after the first day annoying and irritating people so much that they try and avoid walking up the main route to campus so um i mean it's a great laugh if you're involved so expression will be doing a lot of coverage for that doing live debates every night from monday to friday um of the dates of february from the 8th of february onwards so there you go that's going to be the manic week of expression this upcoming month um otherwise for the moment it's a little bit quiet as we lead up to it which i think everyone's probably glad about so that's expression 
And if you want to get involved, if you want to listen to it, you can do. Our website is www.expression.fm. You can also follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at ExpressionFM. Or you can like us on our Facebook page. Our Facebook page or domain is called www.facebook.com slash ExpressionFM. So, Dominic, I'll throw it over to you. How else can people who listen to this show subscribe and, and listen to other shows yeah so if you're uh if you're subscribed to this uh, if you're listening to this on itunes odds are you're subscribed to the star wars underworld itunes feed uh if you're not subscribed to that and you're listening to it on itunes please let me know because that means there's a mystery feed out there that needs to be dealt with um uh, but if you're subscribed to the star wars underworld itunes feed you get this show you get the main star wars underworld show and you get live from lothal live from lothal is a weekly show discussing star wars rebels episodes we've got a new episode out discussing a princess on lothal aka the episode that brought princess leia to the series and by the time you're hearing this i'm sure we'll have an episode out discussing the protector of concord dawn as well some mando action on rebels and and hey why don't you also check out our episode breaking down the uh, amazing trailer for the back half of season two and uh, you, you heard us talk about it a little bit on this show and and uh, i did a we did, we did a great breakdown over there on live from with all of some of the key moments of that trailer uh, it was myself and my co-host uh chris siegel and ben hart so you definitely want to check that out and you can also check out the main star wars underworld podcast uh it's recorded live each and every thursday night at 9 p.m eastern on channel 1138.com and then released to the itunes feed pretty much immediately after that so it will be there for you on friday morning and uh there we're breaking down all sorts of things related to the force awakens we did uh we've done episodes discussing things like han solo like the comparisons between the force awakens and a new hope and uh, we'll have some episodes out about the soundtrack and, and that sort of thing and uh, we also discussed the big news that episode eight has been moved to a december release which is something that yours truly called several weeks in advance and i just like to remind people of that because people didn't believe me that that was a real possibility uh so yes you can check that out on the itunes feed and if you're subscribed to the itunes feed you get three shows for the price of one and that price is absolutely free and if you're over there why don't you leave us a nice five star review let us know what you think of the shows Uh, and if you do so you'll get a shout out on the main show or if you would prefer a shout out on one of the other shows like this show or live from othal uh why not mention that in the review? Uh, and uh, yeah, in between shows, be sure to keep hitting up StarWarsUnderworld.com for all the latest breaking Star Wars news about things like The Force Awakens, Episode 8, Rogue One, the Hanthology movie, Star Wars Rebels, uh, any new Clone Wars material, any new books and comics and all that fun stuff. you find that over at StarWarsUnderworld.com. So we'll be back in about two weeks' time to discuss uh, Dark Disciple Part 2, I guess what we'll call it. Uh, So until then, thank you everybody for listening, and may the Force be with you.
It's a rap. It's a rap. It's a rap. Oh, you're doing doing an American accent. <laughs> I know. Hey. I don't know why. It's just, it's just it's, absurd. It's, it's a rap, mate. There we go. Pip, pip, cherry out. 